Welcome to A Fostered Life, the show in which we explore the various facets of foster care through the voices of the many people who participate in the system. I'm your host, Christy Tennant Crispin, and this is episode 11. Foster parents are not typically encouraged to be intimately involved with the parents of the children who come into our care. While we're encouraged to support reunification efforts, and it's suggested that we do things like send a journal back and forth to visits or share occasional pictures, usually there's a significant disconnect and even animosity between foster parents and their foster child's mom or dad. My guest in today's episode is Tanya Folkrod, a foster mom who found herself unexpectedly involved with not only the child placed in her care, but that child's mother as well. After cultivating a relationship and walking their new friend through the process of reunification, Tanya and her husband Jay knew that they could never go back to being traditional foster parents. Instead, they enlisted their church community and started an organization called Three Strands, a nine-week faith-based parenting program offered by local churches and volunteers to families in crisis. Three Strands is for parents who've lost custody of their children or who are at risk of losing custody and are working toward family reunification and preservation. Our conversation covered a lot of ground, so I'm offering it to you in two parts. In this episode, which is part one, we'll cover Tanya's early experience as a foster parent and hear how she and her husband became involved with the mother of the child who was placed in their care, leading them to start a ministry focused on offering a more holistic way to support families in crisis. In part two, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of what Three Strands does and how their community approach to supporting families in crisis helps struggling parents gain skills and cultivate relationships that significantly improve their chances of reunification and set them up for long-term success. I loved hearing about this couple's journey and how they're making a difference in the lives of so many families. If you want to learn more about Three Strands, go to www.frcoalition.org and click on Three Strands. And now here's part one of my conversation with Tanya Folkrod. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Um, My first sort of launching into this conversation question really is always the same, which is how does your life first intersect with the foster care system? Well... That is a beautiful and long story, and I will um, try to hit the highlights um, of that story. But we are originally from Houston and uh, currently living in Austin. And when we lived in Houston, we were part of a church that um, did not have foster families or even I think we might have had one family in our church that had adopted And so we did not do life with families who had fostered or who had adopted children. And so um, fast forward to our move to Austin over 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, and we got involved in a church where um, fostering and adopting was part of um, many people's lives in our church. And so we started um, attending a small group, and in that small group there were families who um, we're doing life with foster kiddos and had adopted kiddos. And so my husband and I became very intrigued by the idea 
And um, it really just ignited a lot of conversation between my husband and I. And we started asking ourselves, do we have room physically in our home to have children that are not our own? And do we have room in our hearts? So my husband and I have four biological girls. And so we have a full house and have had a full house for many years. My oldest is will be 21 tomorrow and my youngest is 14. And so we just started asking that question, do do we have room and um, do we have the capacity to do this? And so we began to pray and um, that prayer became a time of research and learning from others and listening to others who had walked through that process and um, discerning whether or not that was something God was calling us to do. And it was something he was calling us to do. It took us a couple of years to take that step to get um, certified as foster parents. And in that process, we were kind of all over the map to what kind of foster parents we were going to be. And lots of questions came our way in, in, in those classes that we took and from our, our CPA, our placing agency. And, um, you know, do you want to be a foster parent, a foster to adopt? Do you want to adopt? Do you just want to be, I mean, it's just, there were all these categories. So mm-hmm. of course that started some conversation between my husband and I, like what, why are we doing this? And do we want more children? You know, do we want, you know, do you want to just be like a holding place and a middle family for kids? And so those were lots of questions that we had. And so um, after it was all said and done, we decided, you know what, we want to be that middle family. And um, and if God wanted to add to our family forever, then we were open to that. But we didn't walk into it um, with the intention of adding to our family, but we're, we were definitely open to it. Mm. Um, and so our first placement came, um, we got certified and within probably 48 hours, we got a call and, um, a beautiful six month old little girl was um, delivered to our door. So baby girl needed a stay at home mom and she had lots of, um, issues, um, with um, being a preemie, and so she had lots of doctors that she had to see um, weekly. Um, Something that was really unique about her case was so mom had doctor visitation rights, which basically means she had permission to come to all the doctor's visits for her daughter. And as a foster parent, um, that was a little alarming to me. Um, not, um, having, um, a lot of information about her, um, not even understanding the biological family. Um, I was ignorant of all those dynamics. And so, but because that was a ruling that the judge made that she was allowed to be a part of those doctor's visits, um, I had to, um, go along with that. So she, um, showed up for her first um, pediatric visit and it was not a good, uh, visit. Um, she came, um, unsupervised to the visit. Um, she is still, um, in rehab. Um, she was detoxing. And so she was just not in a good place. And that visit at the doctor's office, um, really turned, um, bad very quickly. Um, and um, as a new foster mom, you know, just doing my best to just care for baby, right. um, I was frightened, I was alarmed, I was uncertain, I was 
just not sure of what um, was going on and what could happen. And um, just, it, it felt dangerous. It felt yeah. unsafe to me. Yep. And um, so that doctor's visit um, ended pretty quickly. And um, I actually had to scoot out the back door um, because mom was just super volatile and, and very angry and very hurt. Um, and so our first encounter with biological mom was rough. And at that point, my heart was just um, breaking. I was trying to do this, you know, great job of being a foster mom and taking care of this baby. And yet here's this mom that was her biological mom who had birthed her and cared for her and, um, and also realizing that she's struggling with addiction and she's in recovery. And, and so my heart was just really torn. And so we quickly made a plan with our placing agency and with CPS about how to make those doctor's visits more safe. And so we gave it another try. And so really at that second visit, um, something very supernatural happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think honestly, it was after that first visit and just kind of walking into this very unknown situation and seeing these dynamics and and partly um, feeling just such empathy and compassion for mom and yet wanting to keep baby safe and just, just all of those emotions that come with, with that. But God had just really changed my heart. And in that next visit, in that next doctor's visit, I saw her with totally different eyes than I did that first time. And she was in a better place that second time. She had had a little bit more time in recovery, but mm-hmm. ultimately it was the way that I saw her that changed. And I remember it so vividly. We were in the little tiny doctor's um, office and I just stopped and I just took time to start asking her questions and hearing her story and getting to know her. And we ended up both sleeping, honestly, at the end of the doctor's mm-hmm. um, visit Um because um, this woman became way more real to me, and she was not just a biological mom, but she was my friend, and she was this baby's mom, and she had value, and she had worth, and she wasn't scary. And, I mean, it was just, like, very supernatural. I felt like God um, really changed the way that I saw her. And we ended up leaving that doctor's office um, with each other's phone numbers and with a desire to connect again. And, and that's really where it started and how um, we got involved in what we're doing now. So baby stayed with us for about eight months. And in those eight, mo- eight months, mom became a part of all of the things that we did with baby. Um, mm-hmm. She really became a part of our family. Mm-hmm. She did not live with us, but she did everything else with us. We took walks together. We ate together. We went to church together. We celebrated birthdays together. She ran errands with me. Um, I helped her in a multitude of of ways. Um, uh, She was looking for work. She needed to get to services that she was trying to complete. I really wanted her to be a part of this parenting that I was doing of her child. And, And I also wanted her to know that I had no plans of taking her baby from her and that I had no ulterior motive in during this time that I was, that the baby was in my home. Ultimately we were holding on to baby and waiting for her to get healthy so that baby could return to her because she,
she was the best place for that baby and being with her was the best place and not with us. And so, um, it was really just over a course of those eight months. And then we continued a relationship after baby went home to mom and, um, and really that's how it began for us started with fostering and, um, and seeing that it's so much bigger than just fostering and holding a baby until mom or dad can get healthy. It's, it's um, loving the whole family and connecting with the whole family and um, supporting the whole family so that they can ultimately care for their own children. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, what, I mean, this is something that I think there are movements, little pockets that I've I've encountered of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, nonprofits and groups, church groups and things that are taking that approach, but it's not the systemic approach yet. Um, Equipping and, and setting up some sort of place for foster parents to be in relationship, I feel like it's something that foster parents sort of have to take on their on themselves right now to make happen, yeah. like you did, and yeah. um, like I have, and you know, um, and and without the support of some sort of like you know, like you're saying, like you needed something supernatural happened, which is wonderful, but there could also have been a case manager who said, you know, I'll come and be there too, or however that looked to kind of smooth through those messy, especially first few weeks um, of getting to know each other. I, I can tell you from my experience with our first um, kids that I think their mom was as afraid of me as I was of her. And that was a real turning point for me when I realized I think a lot of foster parents especially if you don't have experience with addiction, if you don't have experience with a lot of the things that sometimes lead to children being taken into foster care, you just sort of Mm -hmm. have that you see them as statistics or as these characters. And until you actually lay eyes on and meet and experience um, the humanity of the women whose children are in your home, it's easy to do that. But then once you once you meet and you converse and you make an effort, you can't see them that way anymore. And that's what needs to happen more. But the way the system is set up, foster parents never have to meet the parents of kids in their care a lot of the time. Yes. So yeah. that's a problem. Um, so that child was reunified. What came next for you guys? So after she went home... Um, we took a long respite and in that respite, um, time, we, um, really were just praying and asking God what was next for us because he had changed us forever. And we started in this journey thinking that we were just going to hold on to a, a little guy or a little gal for a while until mom and dad got healthy. And now it had grown into these families, these children come from families that are broken and desperate and, and, and hopeless. And how do we enter into that? And what are you calling us to do Lord? And how do we move into this? Um, because I will tell you, we were not encouraged rather. We were discouraged from getting to know biological mom. Yes. And um, we were we were warned that um, here's her history. 
and this is what you're dealing with, Tanya and Jay. Mm -hmm. And um, so you need to be prepared that when you give her your phone number, that when you invite her into your home, you're inviting other things too. Mm. And there were many moments of just hesitation and even fear of what am I inviting into my home? And the Lord just continued to lay on our hearts. I've called you to do this, and I'm just asking you to take one step and then another step. And I'm not going to show you everything, but I just need you to take this one step. Mm -hmm. And so it was really just this one step after another and another and another. And yes, she was very threatened by me. And by inviting her into my home and allowing her to watch me parent my own children, um, I wanted her to see that I was real and that I was real like her and that I struggled like her and that my kids weren't perfect just like her little girl right. wasn't perfect and mm-hmm. she fussed and my girl, my girls fussed and we fought and we got discouraged and she gets discouraged. And, and so, you know, there were many comical moments where I'd look over at her and when she was visiting and she'd just have this look on her face, like something bad's about to happen. And I'd have to reach over and just touch her and just say, it's okay. No one's leaving. No one is walking out right? and we all love each other and mm-hmm. this is all part of it. Yep. And, um, and so those were huge aha moments for me. So, um, fast forwarding. So we really, in that time after she left, just spent praying and waiting and, um, on the Lord as to what was next for us. And so in 2016, we started, um, a parenting class here in Austin, Texas for moms and dads who are working towards reunification with their kids. And it is a faith-based parenting class. It is gospel-centered, and it is also trauma-informed, and it is a nine-week parenting class for moms and dads. who need to take a parenting class. Um, and a parenting class is just one of the many services that parents um, are asked and required to take. Um, and we, we receive our parents through the state. The state refers parents to us. And as we have grown and established more and more relationships with the state, the state really respects us and includes us in a lot of conversations around particular families and what they're walking through. Mm -hmm. Um, They invite us into um, different meetings with families and um, as decisions are being made and and plans are put in place for parents and children, they really come to us with questions and, and value our input. You've been listening to part one of my two-part conversation with Tanya Folkrod. Be sure to subscribe to a Fostered Life podcast so you don't miss part two or any other episode. For more information and resources for foster parents, please visit afosteredlife.com where you'll find blog posts, recommended books and resources, YouTube videos, and social media links so you can connect with others on the foster parenting journey. I'd like to take a moment and give a patron shout out to Brienne, who's been a patron of A Fostered Life since August. If you enjoy this podcast and you're interested in supporting my work as well, please go to afosteredlife.com and click on the tab, Support My Work. That will take you to my Patreon page where you can become a patron too. Just $1 a month helps offset the cost of producing these resources and enables me to offer them freely to new and prospective foster parents. And I'm grateful for the support of my patrons. 
I also give a few perks to my patrons, so please head over to Patreon and check it out. One more thing. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate A Fostered Life on iTunes. It would help me out so much. Thanks for listening, and thanks for caring about foster care.